On this podcast, guys, I interview John Briggs, owner of Insight Tax. Insight Tax is probably the largest CPA firm for micro gyms, especially CrossFit affiliates. John has been uh, such a super good dude. He was the one that connected me with Mike McCallowitz when I had him on the podcast, and we've been going back and forth. He writes these phenomenal fucking blogs for Insight. They're really, I mean, I, I fucking hate reading, and I read his shit every time. Anyway, John was awesome, got on there. Listen, I need you to do me a favor bear with me the first four minutes you know four and a half minutes the audio was just dog shit on his side and then we fixed it so please you're going to listen to it it's going to sound like you know a bag of fucking cats gargling razor blades and giving birth just bear with us for four and a half minutes or fast forward and the rest of it is uh is is much better audio um you're really going to like this, man. He is a super anti-W2 for micro gyms. He is all for the 1099. He puts down some really interesting arguments there. So sit back, relax, and enjoy John Briggs. Alrighty, guys. It is Stu. It's What the Fuck Gym Talk. And I have John Briggs with Insight Tax on the podcast today. John's company, if you're not familiar with it, um, and generally I find most micro gym owners haven't heard of you or have it like they don't even ask the question to hear of you or anyone in this realm of the industry until shit's already hit the fan. Like this outsourcing is one of the last ones. Normally it's like I open the gym and now I need, I need another coach to cover the 5:30 AM and then I maybe get someone to do my social media. And you're like one of the last people they think to outsource. And it, it drives me the fucking, it drives me up a wall because all we want to do is make money with our business and the last thing we think the outsource is the person that helps us allocate the money, set aside the money, pay the tax man at the end of the year who is owed that fucking money. Anyway, I, I'm really excited to get into this and kind of jam with you. John, for anyone who's not familiar with you and your brand and your business, if you wouldn't mind giving a, a quick synopsis, I know you come up through the CrossFit world. Um, go ahead, brother. Get, let everyone know who you are. Yeah, so um, I got introduced to CrossFit. Um, Back in like 2011-ish, a client, 321Go, Clay Weldon, uh, they, they do marketing websites and he became a client. He was really impressed with the stuff that we were doing and he asked if we'd be willing to have free consultation meetings with his clients that are signing up for membership, which happened to be Chris Cooper at the time he was doing with those things. And so... Uh, I just did you do the digital? Did you speak at the? Did you do the digital summit thing that three two one go guys does? Um, I have done that. I, I wasn't cool. a speaker last year, but I was two years ago. Cool, cool, awesome. Yeah. Um. Anyways, and so through that course, we ended up like we, we shared the free hour with them, and we gave them tax strategies and some cash flow stuff. Uh, we're we're big on how you structure coaches to save money for both the coach. And the owner, so we do like we talk the ten ninety nine versus W two argument. Yeah. And where do you yeah. fall in that? By and large, like, what's your fast and steady ten ninety nine? Yeah, yeah. So that's really interesting. So the first time I heard that from someone in your realm, Aaron brought that up. Um, we both know Aaron Aaron Smith now, who is now uh, now mom Mama Aaron Smith. Mama Aaron Smith. Yeah. Mama Aaron Smith. So. That was the first time I'd heard someone in that level. I've heard gym owners argue it back and forth, and that's when I normally stop listening. Um, but it's the first time I heard someone who actually knew what they were talking about argue that back and forth. I thought that was really fucking interesting. And not to, to divulge and to take away from the, we'll get back to your history and all that in a second, but this is interesting. Go into any CrossFit affiliate owner's message board and make the statement you just made, and they will chop your dick off. 
They do. And it gets brutal in there. And it's always shocking because like, okay, well, what's your background with this? Where are you coming from your angle with your very strong opinion? Well, I dealt with an audit myself. Okay, did you have a, a CPA with you who's going with the IRS on that? No. Okay, so you bent over for the IRS, and now you want the world to know that because you bent over, everyone needs to do what you decided to do. Yeah, and a lot of times, I don't even see the initial conversation, but people, um, like just people who are in the industry know me, they'll just put my name on the Facebook feed or whatever, and all of a sudden, yeah. I'm in it. And yeah. people get pissed Yep. So on the 1099 to W-2, how do you insulate the owner in those scenarios? Because I, I, I don't want to peg him, but I want to say it was like, it was a gym in San Francisco. I don't know if it was CrossFit San Francisco. Someone put out an article and I believe it was through Box Pro Magazine. I used to write yeah, for them. That the title is Coaches Are Always Employees. There you go. That's the one. So obviously you're familiar with this. Yeah. So Wait, talk to walk me through. Let's say I'm one of these guys in the comments that is that is very anti 1099. Well, give me the the hard and fast kind of reasoning as to why you're on the other side of the argument. Okay, there are 24 factors that the IRS looks at. 24, and not any given one. Like if one of the factors says, okay, that's an employee, it doesn't. I mean, you still have to look at the other 23 factors, and they rate them. There's three that are the most important. There's another 10 they call important, and they have like the bottom 11 or whatever they call it, the least important. And so you have to know all those different rules. And if you really want to save on payroll tax and allow your coach to take advantage of the tax code the way you do as the owner, you can structure the relationship to do that. Now, that being said, that's we will never make a claim with the word always because tax code is 76,000 pages long always doesn't normally exist it's just it's irresponsible to do that sure but that being said if you structure it the right way as an owner you are giving up some control so if you want some control and you want to make sure that that coach is there doing exactly what you want wearing the shirt that you want whatever the reason is if you're very controlling of that relationship you might not be able to structure it the right way to get them to be 1099. But if you understand the give and take, there's still ways to have control while allowing the coach to have the flexibility to be a 1099 contractor. Now, that being said, Uber has had some battles, and unfortunately, their court cases are affecting this scenario. California specifically came out and said, um, if your service is a primary role in the revenue of the company, then you are an employee, period. So, and that's foresee, just recent though. Do you foresee that traveling as a precedent across the country then? No. Um, I see Uber spending money and going through appeals. I'm assuming they've already started the process because you could argue Uber is a software company, not a driver company. Sure. Because the driver does control everything. I mean, if you look at the IRS rules, there's no way that those people should be employees. One type of thing. So if you are a California gym, and your coaches are doing the group classes stuff, they need to be employees right now. That being said, if you sell nutrition services or personal training, that's normally not the biggest bulk of your revenue. It's a big percentage, but it's not more than 50% potentially. You could still pay your coaches independent, as independent contractors for that work. So Got you it. could have a coach that gets a W-2 and a 1099 from you. Sure, 100%. Um, yeah. We've done that uh, with my business at times. And, and so for a lot of guys, the biggest insulator from what I've heard is going to be, 
having your coaches set up their own LLC and you're literally invoicing them, or I'm sorry, they are invoicing your LLC from their LLC for this work done. Now, at what point when I say, yeah, Johnny, but you gotta wear my urban movement shirt and you gotta be do this and this and this and abide by that. How, where, where does that kind of cross the, where does that kind of cross the threshold? Yeah, you can't demand that they wear your shirt. You can certainly tell them this is best practice. Sure. And we and they, recommend yeah. this for best experience and it's going to give you a better appearance and customer, you know, but you can't technically contractually demand them. You can't fire them because they're not going to wear the shirt. Now, does that make you more liable? So my biggest fear when I talk to a gym about 1099, I'm not worried about the IRS looking at you. What I am worried about is your 1099 being a piece of shit and not filing their taxes. And because that's, again, the luxury of it. And then maybe a year, two years of this behavior goes by, three years, whatever. And then the IRS looks at them and then they're going to look at you. Or you have a horrible falling out and this coach maybe has done some research and realizes this is a thing. And if they really wanted to fuck you, like, is that where you see some vulnerability to it? Yeah. In fact, we dealt with an audit last year for a gym owner where the coach basically got pissed at the owner. And so they filed for unemployment, which is not something you can do as an independent contractor, which yeah. opened up an audit for the gym owner. We, of course, were able to help them defend that. Uh, but yeah, that's going to happen. So you, that's why you want to make sure you follow the rules. Exactly. Look, if you classify all your coaches as, as employees and they really are contractors, the IRS is never going to come talk to you because they're getting their money. That's what sure. they want. It's, it's always going to be the risk. If you're an independent contractor, they want their payroll tax. And so they're going to try to find ways. And often enough, um, it is interesting. Normally it's a state department that is soliciting that audit. And then their decision kind of pass, passes down to the IRS. Yeah, uh, so I got audited. I, I had a sales and use tax audit and yeah. they came in and they were super cool. They just did a self-managed one, which is nice. A self-managed one for anyone who was pretty much where you get with your CPA and you come back to them with an amount of money that you think, oh yeah, I owe you. And they have a number in their head. And if you're under it, they're probably going to come back. If you come in and they know you probably owe them X and you come in way under X, they can come in and then open the books on you and do a, a, a managed audit where they do it themselves. And then we just took a really good guess as to what that number was, ran it, whatever, sent it in, and we never heard from them again. Um, it, but it was one woman, and she literally hit nine CrossFit gyms in North Carolina, all in the same swoop. And that was kind of just obviously a little witch hunt because we were all selling waters and totally. supplements, not paying sales and use tax and all that bullshit. And um, that, was, that was my only experience ever you know, in an auditing kind of scenario. Um, real quick yeah, on that. Let me throw this out there too from yeah. a micro gym standpoint. If anyone ever wants to reach out to us, we are happy to do the research for you. Every state is completely different when yep. it comes to what you're supposed to charge sales tax on and not, but you are responsible as the gym owner to know what that is. Yeah. So we like collecting our own database. So if people want to, it just helps us gather that information if they're 100%. Really I'm glad we kind of detoured that on a second to kind of go ahead and flip back kind of to you and your background and all that. And so you came in the CrossFit, you are now, you have purchased and bought into a a CrossFit gym, correct? Is that accurate? Yeah. Last awesome. July, I bought into the gym that I've been going to for three years. What is the name of that gym? CrossFit GSL. CrossFit GSL, what does it stand for? Uh, well, it initially stood for Great Salt Lake. Okay. Um, yeah. But right now, we've, those were the original owners. We've, in our minds, we've changed it to Grit, Strength, and Life. But so our, our web domain is CrossFitGSL.com. A rebrand. I hear those are I hear those are popular these days amongst uh, amongst the CrossFit affiliate community. Yeah. 
What you, so it, it's so very interesting. I and if you guys, um, there's a video of this, but you guys listening on the podcast won't know. But behind John is a a, a nice little glass whiteboard, and he has written up there uh, hashtag IRS sucks. So John's position, as I see it, is I'm the guy you pay to make sure that you pay the least amount of money legally possible to the government. Your tax burden is as low as I can possibly make it. Essentially, that's in summary, that would kind of be the role of insight tax, correct? Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. Awesome. Very cool. Now, in the very beginning, you know, busted as hell, single, you know, single business owner was doing my own. I would do, I would run my own reconciliation of books with QBO, QuickBooks Online. Right. And, and I did that and that worked until like you've let it go for three to four months. Then you fucking hate your life playing back up on that. And, and it, it was a nice thing for a lot of gym owners. In the beginning. I normally recommend most gym owners go that route in the very early stages of infancy only because then I realized like my favorite bar here is Tiber Creek. I was like, well, fuck me. I cannot be spending $7,500 a year at Tiber Creek. Like this is not good. That I could have bought two or three or four or five fucking rowers, whatever it may be. Like <laughs> it was good for me to see that as a business owner, but then instantly I want that off my plate because I know once it comes time for the tax man to have his... I know there are some plays that I don't know the playbook to. And, you know, you could say that about a lot of services. When you're starting off, I get it, man. You want to bootstrap. You have cash flow things, right? Um, But, yeah, you should identify those lower level things or the things that maybe you don't quite have the skill set for and get those off your plate as soon as you can afford it. It's not only just that, too. I think of it like risk to reward. Like when it comes to actually filing the taxes, like, you know, you can't pass by one of these CrossFit affiliate owners forums without somebody asking, does anyone know where I can get the cheapest pegboards? Like, obviously you guys are looking to fucking save money at every turn. Why wouldn't you do it in the one area where we all know there's a spectrum to legit CPA practices and what you hide and what you don't hide and all this other stuff. But like for someone that can navigate that thing, like a lighthouse and tell you, listen, if you go this way, we might make it, but God damn, if you get busted, it's not a good idea, right? Or if you go this way, you're going to be on the straight and narrow versus, you know, and navigate those waters for you, especially with like law. Nobody's getting on the CrossFit affiliate owners board and be like, hey, can anyone help me review this lease and help me? We're like, fuck off, like go and hire a professional. Yeah, that's funny. Um, for yeah. sure. We, for the majority of our clients, we save them more in taxes and what our prices. And if you're going to hire an accountant, by, that should be the case. They should be offering enough tax strategies to you that your tax savings alone is a return on your investment for paying them. And if they're not doing that, you need to find somebody else. Sure. So let, let's talk. Um, let's talk on that. So some of that. Some like you know being able to navigate the waters. Like one thing that drives me nuts is when I talk to other business owners and they're like. Well, yeah, but it's a great part of owning business. I'm just gonna I'm gonna write this cell phone off, this laptop off. It's like, but you still spent the money, dude. It's not like it's not. So where is the fallacy, as I see it, as someone's like, oh, well, I can just write that off. It's like yeah. I don't think you understand. Not everything is dollar to dollar fucking write off. If I mean, <laughs> if I spend a two thousand dollars on a new MacBook and I write that off, is that gonna save me exactly two thousand dollars in tax burden? <laughs> no. Yeah, we, we but, deal with this in December primarily, and it's oh, the when guys, everyone's buying equipment because they get suckered into the buy the equipment now, so you can double dip and all that good stuff. Well, it even gets worse. It's, dude, dude, should I buy a boat? I don't know. <laughs> should you buy a boat? Is that in your is that in your like lifelong journey plan? But no, I get a write off, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, 
you save your tax rate. So yeah. whatever, if you know what that is, for most gym owners, it be 15 to 30%. If I'm spending $2,000 on a Mac laptop, I'm going to save myself whatever that works out to be, 600 bucks or whatever. Uh, no, it's more than 600 bucks, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's never dollar for dollar, for sure. So we always tell people, especially at the end of the year, which we're past that, but if you're planning on the purchase in the next three months, go ahead and get it now and let it help you on your current tax year. Sure. But if it's not in your plan, don't freaking spend the money because yeah, you're yeah. spending 100% to save 30. Yeah, say buying things that are on sale because it's just a good deal, even though you didn't need it. Yeah, the, the famous wife line, right? Guess how much money I saved today. Saved, yeah, exactly. 100, yeah, 100%. So 15 to 30, that's, I like that. And we're going to get into, because um, you guys are obviously big fans of Profit First. Right. And like, and this profit first thing, it's so interesting. And like, you know, guys like Coop who've kind of pioneered the four ninths model, right? Which when I look at that four ninths model, it very similarly just resonates to me. That's the profit first type scenario, right? You're looking at this is a hundred dollars, 44, 45% is going to go to the coach 30 or whatever it is. They yeah, have 30% is going to go to businesses profit. Let's pull that for, and then 25 to uncle Sam and overhead. Right. Yeah. There's something sexy about having something that's related to percentages versus flat fees. Sure. Because then the percentage can scale. And you don't have to 100%. worry, well, my gym is bigger now. What do I allocate? It, it's a percentage. It's the same. Yeah, percentage. 100%. Now, so that, that is, it's sexy. It's an easy, like that's why I think uh, the four nines model has been so popular in the micro gym because it's just, it's very easy to kind of run and live the business by as far as that goes. What is the typical one? Just going back to that, to 1099, the W2, what would you say like on average, someone that you don't even know what state they're in and they're like, so how much am I really, you know, I'm thinking of just going W2, John, how much extra is that going to cost me a year? Like what, if, it, if I normally pay them a thousand, is it a thousand seventy? Is it 2000? What is it now? So after doing tens of thousands of tax returns and dealing with clients, this number is pretty accurate. It's basically for every hundred dollars, you save 10. Got it. So if I'm making $20,000 as a coach, I'm going to save $2,000 by having a good tax structure just by being 1099 compared to being a W-2. Got it. So 10% is what we're typically looking at is going to be the extra cost. So And that's I got literally just because you're 1099 versus W-2, it doesn't even take into consideration. I now have some tax strategies I can implement as a 1099 person because I am a business owner myself. I can write off my mileage with that, which after tax reform, W-2 people are totally screwed. They are hosed. There's no more unreimbursed employee expenses. Whatever they get on their W-2, that's what they pay tax on, period. They don't have an option to like offset that with other stuff. If you're a coach, you can now offset your shoes and your attire. Like if you're eating healthy, there's a percentage of your food you can be writing off, travel. Like, I mean, there's so many things you can write off. So now all of a sudden, yeah, I made 20, but I have five to $7,000 of tax deductions I can claim. Oh, look, I only pay tax on 13. But I'm W-2. Oh, I pay tax on 20. Yep. So many so it, different benefits. That's so interesting on that. So again, let's say I'm the gym owner. I'm like, okay, I've got these 1099s. But for whatever reason, because I want to demand that they wear purple shirts every Thursday, I'm going to make them W-2. And I'm paying someone $1,000 a month salary. I'm now can assume I'm going to be paying them a is it 10% the other way as well? So when I'm trying to factor in how much extra will it cost me to W2 someone? Not how much it's going to yeah. cost that employee, but me as the employer. Yep. So you have your your portion of the payroll tax that as the employer you have to pay, which is 7%. Yep. And then you'll have some percentage for unemployment insurance. 
So yeah, typically 10% is what we say to add on the other end. So 20,000, no, times up times up by 1.1 and that's your actual cost normally got it so any of you guys listening and you're you're not sure which way to go on this number one if you're you, you were persuaded in the recent comments section of dick bashing in the local crossfit affiliate owners forum you might want to talk to john real quick on this uh, before you make a decision um and then if you know you're just playing with numbers and you're trying to think about what that would cost either way 10 percent is kind of the number for you guys to, to swing left or right with so i like that Real quick, you've said it several times, and it excites me. And I know we messaged this on an email. I think we were talking about this. The term micro gym. Yeah. This, I don't know where it came from. I would love to say that I invented it. I don't think I did. I just been using it as, and I'm, I've been going back and I've been searching every hashtag micro gym that's ever been used. I'm like, where did I first hear this? Because it was not me. And I, I cannot find the origin of it. Somebody, someone will pop out of the woodwork at some point when I try to trademark it or something and sue me. And uh, <laughs> were, are you, is that something, is that a term? It just, and I'm, I'm being dead serious. Is that something you're, you got, you're, you're actually utilizing or are you just utilizing it because you're talking to me now? No, we utilize it with uh, micro gyms. I mean, because it's not just CrossFit, right? And as you've done, there's a lot of people who are CrossFit affiliates who are moving away from just using the CrossFit brand sure. and adding other things. Um, I, it's a term that I had heard. And I, when I emailed you, I didn't even know you were pushing so hard on like micro gym university and things like that. Um, yeah. It's just a term I've heard on, on Facebook groups and things like that as well. Yeah. And I, I've been thinking about that term of like, I was trying to like locate the piece of content when I first started creating it and saying that word. And it was for the same reason you just mentioned. I did not want to get pigeonholed as the CrossFit affiliate guy. Like that is not for me. That is just not what I wanted to do. And, and so I, that was a term and, you know, we had Globo gym and just micro like anyway it's just one of those things that it just excites me to hear people to use it and it becomes a little bit more common vernacular. Um, with that, so let, let's talk a little bit uh, going down that round. You own a gym now. You guys have rebranded. You were work, you're going towards this rebranding and all that. Are you guys, and I'm very picky on this. Like when someone's like, I rebranded my gym. I'm like, did you rebrand? Like to me, rebranding is organizationally and cosmetically. Meaning yeah. you, you completely wiped the slate clean on the inside. Like you did something drastically different. Something is easily recognizably different. Or was it, hey, everything pretty much inside is the same exact thing, but I just want to populate in Google and searches and things like that with a different name. I do not want to be attached to the, the, the seven letters, seven, eight, whatever, nine letters of CrossFit, whatever it is. Like, I, no, we for by no means did a rebrand at all. Uh, it's so it's still, been just a cosmetic, it's just a name change. It's an evolution yeah. of the logo and the and the naming of the company and all that, which is absolutely nothing wrong with it. Yeah, and even that, we're still in it. I mean, there are, one of the reasons I bought in is because of working with so many gyms. I'm like, there is so much low hanging fruit here. And I personally was concerned that this gym wasn't going to be around for me. Like it was a selfish reason. Yeah. Like, this guy is not doing anything to stay in business. Like all the wrong moves. He had group training, period. That's it. No nutrition, no personal training. So I come in and I write him this email. And I said, Hey, look, I don't know your numbers. I work with, you know, more than 200 micro gyms. And based on what I can tell, you're not doing the things you need to. If I were an owner, I would do one, two, and three immediately. He responded, which right, I probably deserved a, you're a dick. Like, I can't believe, how dare you? But instead, he was totally nice and was like, hey, let's go to lunch. 
and yeah. he was, he's been looking for a business partner. Yeah. Um, and so it's, we have so many holes that we've been trying to fix just from procedural standpoints, adding in a couple other common revenue streams that you really need to be successful as a micro gym. So we haven't even touched the CrossFit GSL. I, I mean, I have some other URLs that I bought that are sure. CrossFit specific because I think there's definitely a market out there who doesn't want that. I agree. I agree hundred um, percent. It's so funny. I'll have people message me and be like, Hey, I'm thinking of buying a gym. I, I just don't know if I don't think it's doing good. Something tells me it's not, there might be a member there or whatever. How do you think I should broach that with the owner? I'm like, and easily create it, get a different email, whatever, and approach them like a, a, a somebody like a lawyer or have someone to say, Hey, I have an interested party who wants to purchase this thing for $25,000. And if they reply back to you that they're even somewhat interested, they're not doing all that well. Like, it's very, <laughs> very easy, very easy to have to figure out like, man, I wonder if they're doing well. Off from $25,000. And it's funny, I've talked with um, Shane Jasper. He's with Gym Exchange. And so think he's not a broker, but he's just created a website where people like can Craigslist listing their businesses for sale. And it's fucking insane. Seven years into a business and you're going to sell this thing for under $70,000. Like it just, and it hurts. And it, you know, it, it, it's what drives me to wake up and, you know, fucking get on calls and make content and talk to micro gym owners and all that stuff. But it's, but that's every business. Like I, I, I try not to get too romantic because I'm in it, but fucking pizza shops do that every day. So do floor shops, like every fucking thing does. Like it's just how it is. Not all the baby sea turtles make it back to sea. Like a lot of them fucking die and that's okay. Yeah. Um, so with that in your, your new realm of owning a gym, what is, what's changed for you? Like, has, has it impacted insight at all? Have you seen anything like, dude, we don't offer this service, but goddamn, we need to. Um, you know, actually the biggest realization was, cause I don't know if you watched the show, the prophet, it's this guy named Marcus. Marcus, Lamonis. uh, Lamonis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He goes in and he, it, yeah. he saves businesses, right? They're dying. Yeah. So there's a part of me, I'm like, hey, this business is dying. I'm coming in. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to, little <laughs> ego for boost for me. And no, all I got were brick walls from the coaches because no one wants change. No, God. And no. they have five years of not having any profitable months ever. And the members do what they want. The coaches do what they want. And so the biggest realization that I coached our team on here at Insight Tax was, look, when we're going in and we're telling them, like the data supports that this is the right move for you to make financially implementing profit first and paying your coaches this way. And you need to add, like we noticed, like we're not business coaches and we'll never do that, but we can say, look, we've noticed that you only do group training. The successful gyms that we work with have nutrition and personal training. At least you should consider that we need to understand what it's going to be like for them. Like it's easy for us to just say that, but they're going to get, some pushback on their end and they might need some encouragement from us that it's still the right thing to do. So I think just from a psyche standpoint, it's not as simple as just writing on a paper and spouting off this is what you need to do. Like, I mean, change has to happen and people have to get on board. Like the coaches are the most important aspect of us growing our business. They need to open their mouths and they believe we have the best service in the area, but they need to open their mouth and tell the members that. Yep. And until they do that, our gym's not going to grow. So I need them on board. You got me so excited. So when you said Mar like Marcus Lamotta, so my version of that is John Taffer with Bar Rescue. Okay. I literally, and like this, and I don't like putting this out there to the world. Like I'll let anyone, they, anyone can steal this idea. That's fine. I'm like this close 
to literally saying, well, fuck it. I don't, I have YouTube. I don't need the middleman of NBC or ABC or Spike TV and finding like three sponsors and going around. And I just go around for free. We do like a 10 C a 10 episode season, 10 different gyms. And I go in there fucking like I do with my content. I kick in the door for fucking gym rescue. And I think that shit would pop so well on the internet to the point where somebody would pick it up. And like, totally. I talk about this at home. My wife's like, will you ever just shut the stop fucking doing things like will you just sit the fuck down for two minutes like i'm like honey i gotta go to 10 different states i'm doing gym rescue for free because i'm thinking someone's gonna pick it up afterwards um but yeah that would be a great fucking idea there's a huge market for that we'll talk after the show on that um but yeah so i love that idea and i i love the idea of you bought into it. Every, every micro gym scenario where I hear, oh, when we brought this guy, and I'm like, awesome, great. So tell me a little bit about this new guy you brought into your business. Well, he owns the bar down the street, or he's like, he was a member of ours who owns a wood shop. So we need any new box boxes. He's got us. And I'm like, <laughs> besides cash, what did he bring to the table? There's two values when you bring in somebody in. You either bring them as a cash partner who maybe hopefully just shuts the fuck up, or you bring them as like an experience or a sweat equity kind of partner, that kind of scenario, or both. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. it just, I, like that's such a if I don't know who the gym owner is, he's very, very lucky. There's a lot of people that will throw 20, 40, 50, $5,000 to buy into a CrossFit gym. Very few times do I ever hear of anyone doing it that has like that. There's such a unique niche on the back end of what you know. Like that was, that had been a no brainer for him. It, it was a no brainer for me more than it was for him, but it's funny why you just described the cash guy and then the sweat equity guy. Yeah. Cause he was in business. Like he was the cash guy okay. and his other business partner was the sweat equity guy. And he was supposed to be running the front end stuff. And that guy made some terrible mistakes. Yeah. Like yeah. kind of like if this gym is going to survive, you can't step foot inside our gym anymore, even yeah. though you're an owner. So he left, they worked that out. And then I just saw him struggling still. And anyway, so yeah, I, I hope he sees the value in it. I uh, tried my best to, let him know like i i'm in this and this is what i deal with almost on a daily basis not just with what we're dealing with our gym but it, it's a fun as, ride for sure and it's, as, it's a, as a member or owner in there are you managerial or are you just admit it like do you like are you what kind of like when you guys created your sop standard operating procedure for everyone scratching their head what what all how did that look uh so we hired a gm okay um, he and I both have other businesses like inside tax and he has, he actually has another accountant. <laughs> um, and so we don't have the ability to Shut, wait, wait, hold on. So wait, you, you don't do the taxes for this business. No, I do the taxes. Okay, good. I was going to say he has another accountant for the gym business. No, he has another accounting business. Oh, got it. Okay. He owns another. Okay. Got it. Um, and then we, it was funny. We actually got some pushback from our coaches when we like, here's some coaches contract with, you know, language and, and, and it's, it was specifically written for them to be independent contractors, mm-hmm. which was fun because the template I had got, they thought that it was, Hey, this is our independent contractor agreement with coaches and their responsibilities. I'm like, no, this is, they're an employee. Like, do you have a win loss record on that now? Like, are you able to brag and be like, Hey, yeah, I've had six gyms get audited and we've gone five out of six or six out of six where we won it. Like, do you have a, do you have a win loss record to, to, to use in that, in that argument? Off the top of my head, there's four and we're hundred percent win. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Most of them aren't our clients. They come to us from 
like other business coaches who know us who say, Hey, I have a client in this situation. Can sure. you help them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's so like, you know what, in this industry of like work, let's if we're all kind of gym rescue uh savants right you're on the tax side if i do the business coaching side and you have guys who are like do the programming like jason brown at box programming you have guys or whatever like it's nice to have a network of people that you you know whatever you you throw that stuff around like i mean i always even before you guys um you know purchase box business solutions you know i knew erin because she was a client of mine when she had yeah. juice box and then the whole thing and then you guys obviously which i think is such a great move um erin's such a she's a she's a fucking firecracker that kid's Dude, just she's, she's a awesome. rock star she is um do you have is she your, how many female profit first people are there like in your business well, in our business, so Aaron was the only one as part of the organization by default because I'm mastery level. All my teams are because I've, I've trained them on it myself. Sure. Um, but yeah, we're about 50-50 female and men in our office. I think the CrossFit is such a dude industry. There's so much room for women in the CrossFit. Name me once, name me two successful male CrossFit athlete coaches. Two people who you would consider a, a successful CrossFit games level coach i honestly don't even follow that the competitive it, side very much and nor do i but like i can think of men i if you were naming give me name me the successful crossfit gyms if you were just to pull just at a pure anecdotal i could think of men's names okay there's just not enough love like i just love what Aaron like Aaron being in that role when she told me like there's just i i think crossfit's right now again because it's so young there's just so many dudes there's so much room for just the banging boss, like Shark Tank, whatever that chick's name is, version of a really successful micro gym owner that's a female. That's like, I'm the fucking shit. I got four locations. Like, and the same thing with like a female coach that is like, I've got two athletes at the games or a female, like, I can't think of this industry. Like I was talking about that network. I don't know any that are run by women. I don't, uh, there's I don't, one that Mike McCallum was highlighted in Clockwork. I don't remember her last name. I can see it. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like Lisa Kruger or Kroger or Kruger. Anyways, but yeah, there's not very many. Yeah. It's just so, I think like, it's yeah, right. you can think of the Mayhems and the Invictus and. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, CJ Martin and you think of Ben Bergeron and you could think of, you know, James Fitzgerald, but finally think of one female coach that is like, you know, that, that everyone can fanboy on and like that kind of thing. So it's just, it's just super interesting. I love that Aaron's in there. I, I, I'm a huge fan and proponent of, more women in this that are in the CrossFit scene doing big shit because I just think that there's a lot, there's a lot smart, there's tons of smart women out there that could be adding to this network of people to help broken micro gyms. Um, totally. Very cool. So let's talk about, you have a book coming out now. Is this going to be like a proper book, an ebook? It'll be a proper book. Yep. Okay, cool. Proper book. And does it have a title or a working title? Uh, the working title is Profit First for Micro Gyms. Simple. Did you need McCallowitz? McCallowitz get a cut of that? He he got a fee up front, and then I get all the all the income off the book sale. But Is this be self published. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Cool. So the the issue, the thing is with the book, I'm not even doing it to make money. I'm doing it because I I believe in profit first, but I know that the generic profit first book needs some tweaking to apply to the micro gym owner. And it just, it just makes sense. I, 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 it's weird to say it. I really don't think of myself too seriously, but I don't know anyone else better to write it. 100%. I've been doing this profit first stuff for, you know, three to four years. 
and I've been working with CrossFit and micro gyms for five to six years. Like, I, I love it. So yeah. I love the, when you, when you opened up that line with, I'm not doing this to make money. I think a lot of people don't understand how the book, I've never written a book. I talked about it. I don't think I will. I'm way better. I like video. I can pump out more video than I can in the time it would make me to do a book anyway. But nobody makes money on a book. You have to be like Mike and put out a book once a fucking every 18 to 24 months to be relative. And like, you know, like Coop, Coop's got whatever it is, like the self-proclaimed highest selling fitness business book out there. And I'm sure it hasn't paid for his Maserati yet. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not, a, it's, you know, the book industry is, it's different, but I think it's cool because there will be books, more books by guys who want to like you and Chris and, and Kalipa just put out a book and Bergeron put out a book and like to go it, for this industry. Like I didn't, because yeah. it, it's not out there. Otherwise something specific, man, I think. Well, and that's the thing I think about Coop's books and Kalipa's and the Bergeron's. I mean, I get it. They're, they're coming from a different angle though. You know, this is purely going to be focused on, the financial cash flow, anything to do with the money aspect. I am not trying to be a business coach. I sure. don't, there's too many great people out there. I understand it and I use them. I have my own mentors, but I don't know if there's going to be a book out there that's going to specifically just address the entire book is going to address the financial aspect of the gym. hundred percent. I think, um, I, I hope that this book gives way to other guys in the sector. Like again, if you're handling everything on the tax side, there, there's going to be somebody that comes in on truly just the sales side, hardcore sales closing strategies for micro gym owners. Like there's, I've got a gazillion sales books up here, but none of them are uberly specific to this industry. A lot of them yeah. will reference it. Marketing just for brick and mortar gym. Like it's going, I'm, I'm hoping in the next 10 to 15 years, it just continues to splinter like a cracked windshield into all these different sectors of guys who are going to be SMEs on, on these, you know, on, on these different topics, you know? Um, I love, by the way, I love your, your emails. Do you ever read the hustle? No. So the hustle is a news, a daily email that comes out. And it's like, it's not an, an email that talks to you. It's very much like yours. That's why I love it so much. The hustle is like your buddy who's really smart and he knows everything that's happening in the entrepreneurial and startup and business world. And he knows everything you would give a fuck about and he gives it to you in a quick sound bite in a couple sentences, just a really fucking good, you read it and you're like, I know pretty much everything relevant to me and it took me less than six minutes to read all that. It's just a really good, it's called The Hustle, very successful news publication, daily email. And your, I don't know if those are blog posts that are remade into newsletters or newsletters that are made into whatever it is that you put out are just like that. And I love it because you're writing styles like mine. I don't write in paragraphs. I write one, two sentences, three, top, three tops at a time. And then it's next line, next line kind of scenario. I love the content of your stuff. I think it's so good. And you, have you been writing all that? Like, is, do you like, do you gravitate to writing? Um, I gravitate to writing more than I do video and audio because I have to think through things like it's just my nature. And so I can see it on paper, be like, no, sure. I, I, that sounds stupid. <laughs> um, it writing those pieces is fun for me though, too. I, because I don't feel like I'm writing an essay, like for school. I, I do. Sure. I really legitimately feel like I'm talking to my micro gym owner friend. Yeah. hundred percent. And that, and that's, I think that's the, for most delivery. Like when I'm working with a gym owner, I'm writing ad copy 
and I have them send me their first draft of the ad copy and I read it and I'm like, fuck, dude, I'd rather slam my head in a car door than come to this gym based on reading this. Like, let's talk, like, again, look at the best brands out there. Just keep it simple and short, keep it quick to the point. And that kind of, and I love the way that yours are written. Um, I don't, I don't, when I get yours, I, there's a lot of things I delete instantly. You are not one of those. So anyone who's looking for really good, how often do you publish? Are you, are you on a regular schedule right now? We do once a week. Cool. Cool. Awesome. I would, um, you do once a week. Yeah. Maybe it's spammy. Cause I'm going to say, I feel like I, I haven't got one in like two or three weeks now. I, I thought maybe you took the holidays off or something. I need to uh, go. To no, the I, I wrote stuff ahead of time so we could schedule it to go out. God, you guys hear that? He wrote it ahead of time and scheduled it. How many of you fuckers are listening that like, oh, couldn't get my social media up. I got stuck doing this or couldn't do that. I'm like, dude, fuck, it, it, it's easy. You can schedule this stuff. You, know, you can sit there on your couch on a Sunday and fucking get it all done for the month, for the week. It's, uh, it's well, super- especially my social media. I feel like there's at least one or two apps out there that will let you <laughs> Just a few. Just one or two maybe <laughs> that can schedule that are third-party scheduling apps. Um, so, okay, this book is coming out, and in order to write it, you are looking for more data from, are these profitable gyms? I would love data from profitable gyms. No offense to those who are still struggling trying to get there, uh, but the table that but we're we trying- But we don't want your data for our book. Keep your shitty data away from us until you're profitable. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the data we're looking for is for profitable gyms, and so we would define that if your net income on your financials is like 20% or higher, uh, we we would love to talk to any gym owner that has that type of stat. Awesome. Coffee is for closers and the data for this book is for people who are profitable at 20% margin or higher. Yep. Correct? Awesome. Now, what kind? how can somebody, and we'll get into all this and we'll wrap all this up. I just want to make sure to get it at this point too because most people turn off towards the end of a podcast. Where, how are you looking to um, uh, info or to extract this data from people? Are you going to be, is there somewhere they can go? How could they get in contact with you if they would like for their data set to be a part of your research for this book? Yeah, I would love just a direct email, okay. which is john, J-O-H-N at insighttax.com. And insight is in to incite a riot. So it's I-N-C-I-T-E-T-A-X.com. Is that really where it came from? To incite like a riot? To incite a riot. I hate the IRS that much. I mean, I'm not, I'm not promoting we need to do a riot, but those guys are bullies. And uh, Has anyone ever created IRS sucks accounting? No, not that I know of. <laughs> if I were to create an accounting company, I would probably call it like IRS sucks accounting and just see how that goes. Um, <laughs> just make a real big splash. Okay, so they can email you. And what kind of data? So are you just going to be looking for bait, like what kind of information without getting too much? I'm sure it's pretty in detail, but what information are you looking for? Yeah, basically they're financials, um, but I, I can cover that. If someone's interested, they just need to send me an email. And subject line could be data for a book or profitable gym or hey, yeah. I read all my emails. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, we, I would love to dig in with them into their financials so that I can pull out some percentages of different things that they're doing. Do you have a number of how many gyms you're looking to to get data sets from? Like, let's call Personally, it fifteen thousand affiliates. I'd love a hundred, but Mike said if I had 10, he'd be good with me redoing the table. Uh, but I would prefer a hundred. Sure. Now everyone that's listening to that just heard you say 10 and they're like, there's no way you're able to write an entire book telling me now what my numbers should be based on 10 gyms. Why, and, and I'm assuming you're running off the same rule that I'm assuming. Why is 10 enough? Um, 
Well, honestly, for me, because Mike Michalowicz said 10 was enough. Sure. So where I always heard it was net promoter scores in marketing. So oh. net promoter scores, when you're looking at it, like, you know, gym owners are like, hey, I sent out that customer service survey you made for me. I'm like, great, cool. How many did you get back? And they're like, only 20%. I'm like, only? That's fucking perfect. If you would have gotten 10%, I would have been good with it. Um, that's really interesting. And that's always the number I've heard too. I don't know the rhyme or reason behind it, but everyone's always told me from it, whether it's net promoter scores or whether it's fucking something like this, you get 10, you know, you know, out of the 10% of the, the total number you set it to, you should be satisfied with that. Move on, take your data and go. Um, yeah. And especially in this case, if they're profitable gyms, my assumption is even at 10, I'm going to be able to see some similarities between them. If, if I only got 10 and there weren't similarities, I would definitely want more data so that I could figure out which of these 10 was an anomaly or an outlier, but and that's just all geeky accounting stuff. How many do you have already? All right, is there, um, you start? I literally just start, I did a Facebook post last week. Um, I've had one conversation with a, a million dollar gym down in Florida. And we, I mean, I have an access to our own clients that sure. I can, access so yeah i was about to say you give a lot of this stuff in house already i'm yeah. assuming i, I have about 25 profitable gyms that i know we do the books for out of um, how many gyms well there's a decent amount yeah yeah and the majority are unpro are not profitable yet right yet is the key word there my friends yet um I'm going to get, yeah, I'm going to talk to my guys and I would, would love to contribute to this in any way, shape or form. I think again, the more data, the better. Cause totally. Yeah. Imagine the book you write if you get 10 responses versus the book you can write when you get a legit 100 responses, like how much more you learn. So if you totally. guys, if, you, if we don't want this book to be mediocre, we need to get him as many responses as possible so that he's able to crunch the numbers and come back and give us. And do you have a guesstimate in your head? Because a lot of people listening to this have done Profit First. Some people have not read it. Where do you think those numbers should lie for a gym? Like, do you have a guess in your head? Um, the tax percentage needs to go down from the generic book, I think, which gives you the ability to have some operating expenses higher. Um, and I think the owner's pay and profit percentages are a little are a little steep from the generic standpoint. So you think it should be lower than 30? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm really excited. I think this is very cool stuff. And when you talk to Mike about this, what's his thing? He's like, are you trying to grade my fucking papers, John? What do you mean? What are you doing over there? Or are you guys like boys at this point? Like, cause you're, I mean, you guys are, you're, you're at the mastery level. You're, you're all in on profit first. Yeah. I mean, I would like to think we're boys at this point. <laughs> Mike is great. I love Mike. Uh, and when I told him, I said, Hey, I'm, this is what I'm looking at doing. I'd like to update the table for micro gym owners because they just generally, anytime we're dealing with them, we've always tweaked the percentages anyways from what his book has. And he said, yeah, great. I think you should do it too. So yeah, he, he's excited. Uh, cause cool. he has two other derivative books. That's what he calls them that just came out profit first for contractors and profit first for e-commerce people. Um, so uh, he's excited because it is it profit first needs to be modified. It needs to be modified period for everybody's specific use, but then to have industry experts giving yeah. specific for the industry, like he's excited about it. Awesome. No, I think, I think it's absolutely great. So you're going to do a book tied. You have, a, have you set a goal goals. Without uh, would, they're just 
wishes what i don't know what the fuck that line is but like uh yeah um my goal my schedule would have it at least written by the end of april cool have you ever used the world's most dangerous writing app no put it in the google it's just a website that you log in and you say how long do you want your writing session to be and you can be like i'm gonna write for 10 minutes and it literally if you stop keystroking for anything more than like five seconds it deletes everything you've written It's the world's most dangerous or most effective. No, I think it's dangerous writing app, but in the Google and you just keep keystroking. And if you stop writing it fucking more than five seconds or something, it deletes everything for whatever period of time you set it to. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. But you see why it's fucking effective though. I was like, I love it. That's fun. That's a great idea. Yeah. So, but my, my writing would have a bunch of sentences like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I just don't want to lose all my work. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I love it. Um, All right. A couple of things I want to go ahead and get into in the realm of money, taxes, burdens, things like that. When you're looking at the gyms you've worked with, the 20 per the 20 or so, the however many that are profitable and doing well, would you say owners removed? Have you gotten to gyms where owner is, 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 is stepped out, removed? They're not in the day to day to that. You know, they're not coaching their classes. They're, they're doing what they set out to do in the beginning, build a business that could operate without you. Yeah, those 25, I would say most of those have the owner who is basically removed. They're not coaching classes for sure. Yeah, they still have some role in the org chart of the business to some degree. Um, yeah, how and many, I mean, there's some who have stepped out completely. Yeah. Sure. They're the board of director guy. Yeah. And so that is, that's, what's interesting to me. And a couple Oh, one more thing. Is this only for CrossFit affiliates or would you be interested in other fitness studio gym, micro gyms as well? I would love other fitness studios as well. That's why we've named the book profit first for, for micro, micro gyms, gyms. Not CrossFit yeah. affiliates. One, cause CrossFit headquarters would probably never give me that permission anyways to use probably not. title. Um, but yeah, cause I know there's other successful micro gyms out there. Like you have the F 45s of the world and you have just, you're normal guys. Like, Hey, I created this gym and it's my own thing. I haven't franchised it, but I'm profitable. I, I would love anyone who's a micro gym. So in my mind, micro gym is the opposite of global gym, right? The model of global gym, $10 a month. Hopefully no one, not everyone comes in because we don't have the capacity where micro gym is. We love our people. We have more hands on, which is why we can charge a premium. If you yeah. fit that model where you care about your members and you're charging more than $10 a month that you're probably a micro gym. How many of the owners have stepped out, have gone on to continue to do business things? Do you have a lot of guys that build up the business, get it to the point where they can walk away and then they just kick up their feet and chill? Or are they generally getting entrepreneurial with something else? Uh, Generally, they are stepping out of the gym because they realize it's profitable and I want to do something else. Yeah. So it's... It's interesting to me because when that happens, it changes things. So all the gym owner, like they'll come here and I'm not operationally involved in an urban movement. I do what the fuck gym talk and then I have the real estate company. And I'm able to sit back and I have people like, well, what are your, where's your profit mark? What do you do this? And how? I'm like, it, it's not a fair conversation for you because, because they have these other two things that also make me money. I'm able to just jack up, fuck with my profit margin over here and almost take myself out of the equation fully. And I get to, I can afford to not maybe take anything home in a certain month from the fitness business because I got these two other things and I could, when you have multiple revenue streams, not within your one business, but you have multiple, you've either developed multiple businesses, you have multiple revenue streams outside of it. 
it really does kind of change it. It makes it hard to give that same advice to anybody who's relying on that one revenue stream of being a business of, of their gym, right? And like, you know, do you ever see guys that can't see the end of the tunnel? Like, how am I ever going to make enough money to, from this thing to pay myself? Like, I just don't, I can't even pay somebody else. Yep. All the time. I mean, that's most, what you just said, it happens in probably hundred percent of the first time meetings we have with micro gym owners. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why they're reaching out. That's the pain point, right? I mean, they we're claiming you could be profitable tomorrow if you implement this system. And they're like, I don't understand how that works. Well, it's actually really simple. You just take your profit first, hence the name of the book. It's the first thing you do. You take it, you set it aside. Then you force yourself to live or run the business on what's left. Mm-hmm. And also what happens, um, you know, back in the day, early days, it was almost, it was, you'd get beat up for saying, I want to have a profitable gym. Everyone. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, yep. I'm sleeping on my couch. Uh, yeah. all you gotta day be hard. My life is worse than yours. Like, Oh cool. You're awesome. Yeah. And finally, I think we've come around and people, gym owners realize, no, I do need a profit if I want to keep this thing going around. Yeah. Uh, and he was, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Did it ever surprise you? Like, when did you really recognize the explosion of this micro gym thing, even though we didn't call it it back then? Like, when was it like, was it when you got into CrossFit and then you realized how big the ecosystem was around it or was it before? No, I was def- I would say 2011 when I was introduced to it. I, and that's pretty typical for me. I'm not, I'm never normally an early adopter to things. If I find something, I'm usually in the general public has yeah. found it as well stage. Uh, so I would say that's around the time it probably started blowing up. I It's always, it blew me away because I came from the fitness scene, the global gym scene and doing all that. And I I had a I had a very good feel for the industry and what people made on brick and mortars, but how much money went into it. And then when I started hearing like, holy shit, I found this CrossFit thing in 06 and I couldn't believe how many people were jumping on it. And I was like, does, I, does everyone realize how expensive brick and mortar is and especially something like brick and mortar that's not making trinkets like a brick and mortar turning out fucking trinkets can crush all day every day a brick and mortar that has to rely on people with a beating fucking heart and a pulse and a bank account with it fuck it gets like it's pretty i mean it gets hard look around and how many pastry shops have gone out of business in your town how many restaurants have gone out of business in your town and it just I really got, I, I was, that's when I knew the Pixes and Axe line was going to save me. Like it was a gold rush. And in a gold rush, those searching for gold don't make the fucking money. The guys hanging out selling the Pixes and Axes are going to crush. And, yeah. and that, that's, that's when it hit me. I was like, that's when I knew that Globo Gym thing was going to be a good idea. Like nobody's going to know how to sell personal training. Like no one's going to have Globo because back then it was them versus us. You didn't, like when I went Globo Gym, I was blacklisted for a while. Like people did not want to talk to me. Like you, you CrossFit and you went and worked there. And, and it was just, I just, I just knew I had to go learn that shit. I didn't, I, I was just an exercise phys major. I didn't know dick about business, but Gold Gym did. Yeah. It was like a paid internship for two years. It, I mean, you know, their business is selling people to get it paid, to give them $10 a month because most of them exactly. don't use actually equipment. And in, and yeah, and not only that, but it, the, and no, none of the global gyms I ever worked in could ever function without a personal training. Personal training contributed forty percent of the total monthly revenue, and without the personal training department, like we were the like 
it, we were always the first and last line of defense. Like our production was 100% what was making the business viable, not the churn of membership. Um, but yeah, I just, I just found that all super really interesting is everyone kind of running to this global gym thing and then realizing brick and mortar is such a hard business to be profitable in. Like, do you still look at is, would you say, what would you say is an ideal percentage? You've made it. I would give you an A plus Mr. Gym owner profit margin wise. Um, if like an A plus, do you've made it 20%? I think until you get to 20%, you are at risk. Are you seeing gyms at 30, 25? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I've always given people my A pluses is 30%. Like you have boom. If you're 30%, I, I, I think you're at the top of the market. Like you're literally there. You're a dude I should, like everyone should be listening to, right? Kind of scenario. 20% phenomenal. Um, what do you, can you do 30% on membership only revenue stream, EFT only? I would be very skeptical. If there's Correct. someone out there who's doing it, please reach out to me. I want your data. Now Alchemy 365 in Minneapolis, Mike Jones and those guys, they do not have a, they don't do personal training. They don't do nutrition. They are a high volume. They are, uh, Alchemy 365 is, imagine if yoga fucked CrossFit. That is the class model they've created. It's absolutely, it's, a, it's very impressive. I flew out there and spent the day with them to look under the hood. So they've got locations in Minneapolis and they just opened up in Denver. They do open enrollment, much like Core Power Yoga. Core Power Yoga is one of the only yoga facilities that there is no registration. You just walk in. They make it frictionless to come into the gym. No app, no nothing, just show the fuck up. Now, yoga, you can dictate operational capacity very easily because of a, a fucking a yoga mat is going to need 45 square feet tops per, per student. Um, Alchemy's model, you need close to the same thing, but it's operational capacity. You could go in there a class with 18 or a class with 50. But because there's no barbells, no complexity to it, it works. And here's the thing is, everybody likes a crowded bar over an empty bar. Don't care what you say. Everybody likes a crowded bar over an empty bar. It's the same thing with fitness. Take me one of your classes at your gym or my gym. Like I had a small class the other day, energy blue. I hated it. I, want a, I always want busy classes and not from a money perspective, from an energy perspective. It just feels better, especially if you have a bigger gym. You have a 10-person class in my size gym, and you look silly. You look, totally. looks, we have like 5,000 square feet, and in our 8 o'clock class, that's the one I go to every morning. It was just two of us yesterday, and today we had you know 10. Yeah, yeah totally. Energy is different. Better to be overcrowded than not. So they did the open enrollment model. So that, that is a model. However, they have a strategic ally or partnership, a strategic sales partnership with Lululemon, and their retail game is off the fucking chain. Their retail game is so strong. Um, they have other revenue streams. They created the torpedo, the piece of equipment that they utilize. Yep. So like there's that model. That's a unique, but you're right to, 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 to agree with you. I haven't seen anyone do it without. And I argue personal, like profit first, I yell PT first from the rooftops every day down the face of gym owners. I don't know what CrossFit gym like, I think it's going to be in three to five years if you don't do personal training to be the equivalent of you, like, not having an app for checking in. Like, what do you mean you have an app to check in for your members? What, are you back in 2008? Personal training first, I think, is going to be that same thing. Have you guys adopted that at your gym yet? Yeah, that's one of the changes we started to make. So, yeah. our coaches, we're struggling with finding them willing to take on the personal training sessions. But. Why is it that group group CrossFit coaches don't want to be personal training coaches because it'll expose the fact that no offense to yours, I'm not even speaking to yours, 
it exposes the fact that they're not that good of fucking coaches. When you're a cat herder for one hour and you literally give two minutes of attention per person, you look like the greatest coach in the world. You look like Chuck Carswell out there, level 17 CrossFit certified coach, like, well, Kip like this. Oh, I got to run over here. And it doesn't fucking matter if you ever actually impact a change. But you take one of those fuckers and you give them the Sally who's brand new for one hour. And you say, this is Sally. Teach her how to air squat, push press, wall ball, row, and box jump. By the end of the class, by the end of the hour, I'm going to evaluate whether you did a good job with that. And now you're on the clock and you have an actual quantifiable thing you had to do. Did you do it or not? It's, I think, why in the world do we ever coach coaches to coach in a group first? They should all learn in one-on-one. That's how I learned was one-on-one. That's like what Globo Gym taught me. And you see that every gym owner tells that my coaches don't want to do it. I'm like, yeah, because they're afraid they're going to get fucking exposed. That's why. That is why. Yeah, that's interesting. I believe that for sure. And we have some good coaches. They give great cues to the group, right? That is not, co- there's a difference. There is I'm coaching sure. and teaching. Yeah. Like, I believe you teach Sally the overhead squat in a one-on-one scenario. Don't tell me you're going to teach 40-year-old Sally the overhead squat who's never touched the barbell before during a fucking class with 15 other people. It's an right. Olympic movement for a reason, you asshole. You should teach a tour, teach in an individual. Coaching is what we do with her when she can audibly recognize it and perform it generally well. Coaching is externally rotate the shoulder send the hips back and down. That's coaching. That's making a movement you already know better. Teaching is, this is a barbell. It's seven feet long. You see this mark and this mark here? Put your thumbs there. Like that's teaching. And that's what we all think we could do in a group class with 19 people. And it makes me want to just slam my head in a car door. Yeah. Like I said, we have some holes we're trying to fill, Uh, but we're working on it. Are you doing it as as like the inception point when people walk in, like that's the first thing they purchase? Yeah. So the first thing that purchase are six personal training sessions, which are Perfect. always structured the same for, yep. I mean, we call it our on-ramp, but they're personal yeah. sessions. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to everyone, no one's going to spend as much money or be as excited about their purchase than when they first make it. Every yeah. CrossFit gym out there is trying to figure out how do I sell personal training to all my current members? Eh, you're not just start with the, start with all the new ones, let the culture change over two years, and then you'll have a better chance of doing it. But like, I'm never as excited about technology as that first day and week that I buy it. And every day it gets a little more boring. When someone buys fitness for the first time, that's the best opportunity to have them spend more money. Not later, not later down the road. They will never be as excited about that lifestyle change. Um, awesome. John, I, I think it's super, I, I love the fact that you own a gym now and to whatever capacity that is. And how often are you, like, are you, you're in there every day working out, right? You see it grow. Do you ever field trip? Do you ever check out things like Orange Theory and things like that? Or do you ever check out other micro gym models? I haven't. I mean, I've listened to your stuff where you suggest that and I totally buy into that. I just personally have had a hard time. I, I don't want to say time management because I've gone on this kick lately. It pisses me off when people say I don't have the time because it's not true. I have the time. I have a commitment management problem. <laughs> Fair enough. John, what I'll do is I'll come out to Utah. We'll hang out. We'll shoot some content. I was giving John shit an email. I want more video content out of these guys. <laughs> and we'll shoot some content and we'll go to an Orange Theory and we'll take a couple classes and then, uh, and then recap on it. That'd be fun. Cool. John, and, and how can everyone, if anyone's interested in Insight Tax, they want to reach out to you, talk about profit first, uh, contribute to the data for your book. How can they do that? Um, so emailing me directly is probably your 
fastest link, uh, john at insighttax.com. We do have a website. Uh, you can check it out within a couple seconds. You'll get a pop-up and you can type in your contact info. Um, yeah. Fucking you can a. reach out to Profit First Headquarters. They'll refer you to me. <laughs> Just go to the direct route guy. And you're pretty responsive. You guys are responsive on Facebook. Yeah. Our, right. um, our queen bee role from clockwork, if you remember are. that, yep. is to incite communication. So our goal is to always get back to people within 24 hours which awesome. we've defined as the end of the business day. So if someone gets to me at 4 p.m., I'm at least going to send them an email before I leave for the day, letting them know when I will get back to them. That's awesome. That's great. Awesome. At Insight Tax on social? Uh, yep. Fucking A. Easy enough, guys. DM, email, get a hold of John if you want to contribute to this. If you are a profitable gym and you're like, yeah, I'd like to, don't be a lazy fuck and not do it. If you've made it to profitability of 20% or more, I, again, help others like fucking get like this with this book will help other micro gyms get to where you are because you were at a point when you weren't at 20% profit and you, you would have killed to have a book like this. So pay that shit forward, everybody that's on this and fucking give John in. If you do and you heard it here, let let him know it was from his time uh, sitting down and on a Friday talking to me. So he knows it was it was a well worth investment of his time. <laughs> awesome. And thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thanks, Stu.